Welcome to Managed Carecast, a podcast from the American Journal of Managed Care. CMS starts planning for life after the oncology care model. A judge blocks a rule requiring immigrants to have health coverage. And Election Day brings news for Medicaid work rules. Welcome to This Week in Managed Care. I'm Laura Jose. Last Friday, the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Innovation surprised the oncology community with a request for information on a proposed successor to the oncology care model, the five-year alternative payment model that expires in 2021. While there's been speculation what will come next, the request caught stakeholders off guard since comments are due November 25th. Elements of the working model called Oncology Care First include a prospective monthly population payment for the practice or hospital's Medicare fee-for-service population with cancer. The payment will include evaluation and management services, as well as enhanced services. Accountability for total cost of care, including drugs, incurred over a six-month episode. Electronic patient-reported outcomes will be added as a required activity. Changes to make attribution more predictable at the start of an episode. Episodes will be attributed to the physician group practice as long as the participant bills at least 25% of the cancer-related E&M services. A listening session held Monday brought out well-known stakeholders in cancer care to pinpoint challenges with both the proposal and CMMI's process, said Ted Ocon of the Community Oncology Alliance. It is completely unreasonable for oncology practices and stakeholders to adequately assess and provide detailed feedback on the OCF within the time CMMI has allotted. Three weeks is too short a time for meaningful input. Dr. Kashya Patel of Carolina Blood and Cancer Care Associates, who is associate editor of Evidence-Based Oncology, warned that some patients lack the technology needed for electronic PROs. He said, half of my patients still use a flip phone. And Dr. Barbara McEnany, a former president of the American Medical Association, who also treats many low-income patients, told CMMI leaders that they should look to the payment model she devised, making accountable sustainable oncology networks, for ideas on how to address high drug costs. U.S. District Judge Michael Simon of Oregon suspended the Trump administration's rule telling immigrants they must prove they will have health insurance or pay for medical coverage before they can get a visa. Simon granted a temporary restraining order, but it is unclear how he will rule in the case. The matter was brought by seven U.S. citizens and a nonprofit, who argued the rule might block up to two-thirds of all prospective legal immigrants. Simon wrote, Congress has spoken directly to the circumstances in which an individual may be deemed to become a financial burden to the United States and has rejected the proclamation's core premise. Kentucky Governor Matt Bevin lost his re-election bid Tuesday in a race that turned in part on his changes to Medicaid expansion, including work rules. The apparent winner, Attorney General Andy Bashir, vowed to rescind the work requirements and restore the program that his father, former Governor Steve Bashir, installed shortly after the Affordable Care Act took effect. Democrats also took control of the state legislature in Virginia, which will let Governor Ralph Northam end work requirements that were struck in a deal with Republicans in order to expand Medicaid in the Commonwealth. A nonpartisan research group has found that the type 2 diabetes drug empagliflozin is more cost-effective than oral semaglutide, which gained notice when it received FDA approval in September. 
Oral semaglutide, the first GLP-1 receptor agonist available as a pill, is considered a breakthrough by many researchers and payers. But the Institute for Clinical and Economic Review found that its cost, which is on par with other injectables, and its side effects make it a less attractive choice than the SGLT2 inhibitor empagliflozin, which has been on the market for five years. Said Dr. David Rind, ICER's chief medical officer, Judging from the less price of oral semaglutide, its net price is likely to be much higher than that of the competitor oral treatments, including the SGLT2 inhibitor empagliflozin that appears to have similar benefits with fewer common side effects. The ICER report found that the net price for oral semaglutide per 30 days was $501, compared with a net price of $174 for empagliflozin. AJMC's sister site, the Center for Biosimilars, reports that United Healthcare patients who are taking epoetin alpha will be required to switch to Pfizer's biosimilar, Redacrit, unless they meet medical necessity criteria. Coverage for Redacrit will not require prior authorization for patients who meet criteria for various indications of anemia. For all of us at AJMC, I'm Laura Jost. Thanks for joining us. To learn more about any of the stories in this podcast, visit AJMC.com or see the show notes. To get in touch with us, email info at AJMC.com or follow us on Twitter at AJMC underscore journal. And if you like the podcast, don't forget to subscribe and rate us.